This episode of Taking It to the House was brought to you by EBH Fitness Studios. It's a way of life. I'm Dr. C. Victor Herbin III, and I'm taking it to the house. And I'm Dr. Timothy Hoover. Let's take it to the house together. I'm Dr. Jania Hoover, and what I'm taking to the house is one statement. Accountability is not justice. Accountability is not justice. Victor, Hmm. what's on your mind? Before we get too deep today, I have to do something. And I have to channel my inner Eminem. Do you remember the song that he was famous for? He was like, hi, my name is, hi, my name is, hi, my name is who? Steph Curry. This cat, if you have forgotten his name, he's here to show you, he's here to tell you, I'm still here, I'm still relevant. If you have not been following the NBA, if you have not been following the Golden State Warriors, what this guy is doing by putting his team on his back, and like he's making a resurgent for the MVP race, I say do not forget his name. The guy is more dangerous now than he ever was before. That cat is lights out. Kudos to him. I had to give him his props before we get into something more serious today. What you got, Unc? I'm a Steph Curry fan as well, and he's doing this with a bad sacrum and a bad will pretty much by himself. So yes, you go, Steph. My burn is Alex Smith. He's about to retire. And most of you guys know he's a quarterback for the Washington football team. Alex Smith, I just want to say you were an inspiration to me, an inspiration to many others, one of perseverance and and, and intestinal fortitude, wanting to get back at all costs. Could have lost your leg. But you go be a great husband. You go be a great father, a great son, a great man to mankind. Be great outside of football. Do the Kobe. Remake yourself. Be something else than a football player. But I will tell you, as a football player and getting back onto the field, I marveled at you, sir. Thank you, Alex Smith. All right. So we are the day after the um, trial of really the the era, right? I don't want to say trial of the century. We've seen a few of those, but definitely the trial that has been on a lot of people's minds. And of course, we're talking about the trial of Derek Chauvin, who was the officer that um, was kneeling on the neck and killed George Floyd um, last May. So that's on all our minds. So um, what what were your initial thoughts? Just kind of help us see where you are with it. I thought it was a tough job by the jury, but a jury of his peers, in my opinion, you got it right. Thank you. I had concerns that he was actually going to get off because of how difficult it is to find cops guilty of them doing their job, really carrying a badge and doing whatever they want with the badge. No, they found him guilty in all three counts. And I'm just thankful. I am just thankful. So I know we'll have some open dialogue. Vic, I know you have an opinion. Jania, I want to know your opinion too. But right now, just to start it off, I just want to say the jury got it right. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I also want to say before Vic, before you come on, to, to intertwine this with sports, Tommy Smith, John Carlos, 
Raul Mahmoud, Abdul Mahmoud, Colin uh, Kaepernick, did they see this one day happening? All they were trying to do was get everybody's attention of the black man's fight in America. That's all they were trying to do. It wasn't against the flag. It wasn't against America, the fabric of America. It was just talk, bringing attention to the black man's plight. George Floyd's sacrifice, his sacrifice was allowing the world to see what's going on in America and has been going on for centuries. Vic, what is your take, sir? Yeah, I have a lot to share today. Uh, and I know we're going to get deep. So before I go to my other points, I was going to say, I, I like we've talked about Colin Kaepernick, uh, Tim, uh, Tommy Smith, you know, these, these forerunners, but I really want to, why do we always target how the African-American males that has fought for the struggle feel? I'm interested. How does Roger Goodell feel when he had an opportunity? We talk about indifference or hate. He had an opportunity to listen. We talk about the key word being empathy. When Colin Kaepernick said, there is an issue in my community, where was Roger Goodell? Black men that you've named have done their part. African-American women have done their part. But I'm asking white America, where is your role in this? So when a mm -hmm. Colin Kaepernick, when a LeBron James is told to shut up and dribble, where are those powerful men of those leagues saying, no, this is wrong? So I'd be interested in what Roger Goodell is feeling today. Not what he had to do three years, four years, five years later, last summer, when the outrage came and the NFL players placed pressure on him to say something and make a statement. He still has not made amends, truly, to Colin Kaepernick. And nor had the rest of the NFL owners made amends to blackballing him. Let's call it what it is, blackballing him from the league. So because you hit the sports theme on this, and I know we're going to get to uh, the case in particular, how we feel. I wanted to caveat on that piece. Where was where's Roger Cadell? I see where Adam Silver is. I've mm -hmm. even seen the commissioner of ML Major League Baseball. And there was not a person within baseball that made such a pro pronounced stand against injustice in the black community. We already know the National Basketball Association is predominantly uh, black players, African-American players. And so it's, and Adam Silver supports that cause. But when I look at Major League Baseball in comparison to National Football League and how the commissioner and the National <laughs> Major League Baseball stood behind this cause, not defending, he stood behind it. Where's Roger Goodell? That's what I have to say on that piece of my sports mm -hmm. part. But I would defer to Dr. Jania Hoover as we get deep into this discussion. What you got, sis? Man, what don't I have? Um, going with the sports take, right? Because we are pr uh, primarily a sports show. It is very interesting how we have and we hold athletes to really what I consider to be an unrealistic standard, right? You've got the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's, you've got the Colin Kaepernick's, but in many cases, the idea is for them to shut up and dribble, like you mentioned, or just stick to sports, 
right? I think uh, Jamel Hill and Carrie Champion, their, their show this year was Don't Stick to Sports. And what's unfortunate is when we say that, like it's a privilege to be able to just focus on one thing at a time, right? Like that's, that's definitely a position of privilege. I'm a teacher. It's a privilege for my students to be able to just go home and do homework. Right. I do have some some students that have to go home and take care of other family members or they have to go work. So this idea that athletes should stick to sports is like um, you're being impacted by these things just like everyone else. And the idea that you're not is really disingenuous. And speaking of disingenuous, I saw a tweet by a uh, sportscaster. I'm using air quotes because. His takes really aren't that great. Um, and I'll just read the tweet to you. And I would like to hear your reactions, Victor and Ump. LeBron James, like other elites, is using racial division as a distraction as elites reshape America to be more like communist China. Elites prefer communism. Millionaire elites are protected by communism. They're the talented 10th W.E.B. Du Bois promoted. You're being played. So this was from someone that I don't follow. I only saw the tweet because I happen to, you know, I like to see what's trending and, and why people are in the news. And I want to know, what do y'all think about that, about LeBron James being being called out in this way? Um, what are your what's your take? So let's be clear. So the public know where we're coming from. That was uh, a tweet from uh, Jason Whitlock. Jason Whitlock, what have you done lately? Uh, I don't have to defend LeBron. His body of work defends himself. For you to call him out in this manner, uh, who, who are you? And I, I, I don't get it. Um, we should be, one, elevating and lifting each other up. How about start there? How about pick on somebody else who may not be as uh, prominent in the black community, prominent in his sport than LeBron? And so uh, he's an advocate for us. And so I don't get it, Jason Woodlock. I don't get it. I don't get where you're coming from. Are you just trying to do this for clickbait or what? What are you trying to do? Matter of fact, you're missing me with the whole message. And so I'm sorry, Jania, because and Dr. Herman Vick and Dr. Hoover, I, I he. I don't get this guy right here, right now, and his comment and where he's coming from. Why? That's my only thing is why. Vic, I don't get it. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm with you. I'm disgusted. I'm be because when we look at our own internal, just to be real, this is the classic crabs in the barrel. You, Jason Whitlock used to be, yes. I used to respect him as a sports journalist, but what are we trying to do? We spoke about it a couple episodes ago. The leaders in the black community come in a variety of shapes and sizes and titles. Our pastors, our athletes, our civic leaders. You know, we have so many. And the challenge 30 years ago was a Michael Jordan not speaking up or Tiger Woods not saying things. Now we have someone that has not only used his financial resources for his own, to build his legacy for his family, but he used his financial resources, speaking of LeBron James, 
to build the, the legacy of his community. Schools and then leading voting uh, registration uh, platforms and for, for convicted felons uh, 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 and, and, and making sure people get the right to vote and register. So what are you talking about, Jason? This is the issue what we have in our community of saying, what is our message or what are we trying to do? Even if white America recognizes their ills and their wrongs and says, you know what? We have not done our part with the 13th Amendment, 14th Amendment, 15th Amendment, separate but equal. Sorry, uh, mea culpa. Here goes your 40 acres and a mule. Do everything you need to do. We apologize. And we re and we 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 reformatted how we do policing. We did all that. We still got people in our own community that are going to say something like this. When LeBron, if he built community centers, and then what a shack they started to do that, and we created our own uh, Harlem's and our Tulsa uh, Wall Street, Black Wall Streets. What are you doing, dude? There and to even have the platform that someone says, "Yeah, I I like what he said." How many likes did he get? That 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 disgusts me. That I, there's nothing more I can yes. say other than that. Yeah, I, I will add to. It's more an indictment on you, Mr. Jason Whitlock, and I I feel sorry for you in many many ways. And it does sound like a little bit of jealousy. I mean, look at what LeBron has done, and Dr. Herbin Vick just mentioned those things that he's done. What are you doing? What are you doing? So I want you to stop it handcuff your lips, your fingers, whatever it is that you're using to, your mouthpiece, your platform, stop it. Cease and desist, please, right now. No, I'm not defending LeBron. I'm defending us in general. We don't have to be, as Vic said, crabs in a barrel pulling. We should be uplifting each other right here, right now. Uplift LeBron, uplift and use your platform for uh, to, to make a difference, if you will. Come on, brother. Come on, brother. Or are you? A brother. Yeah, I'm calling you out. I'm asking, are you a brother? Yeah, I was, um, I didn't really know how to feel. Obviously, it's clearly no secret that I'm not a fan of, um, of this person, but dealing with this um, recent civil unrest and, you know, looking at the verdict, I've had the opportunity to have a lot of conversations and experience a lot of takes. And I started uh, my burn with accountability is not justice. And my take differs from, uh, from my co-host. But for me, what happened was not justice and isn't really to be celebrated. Right. Like to me, justice would be me not knowing George Floyd's name because he was just minding his business, raising his kids and living his life like that would be justice. Justice would be that we wouldn't have had this trial yesterday or the verdict being read yesterday and um, a 16 or 15 year old girl being killed after calling the police in Columbus, Ohio. Like to me, that would be justice. And. The idea that by drawing attention to these very obvious racial disparities, right? If you're black, you can have a cell phone and get shot because they think that it's a gun or they say it's a gun. 
you can get pulled over for having an uh, a air freshener dangling from your from your rearview mirror and be killed because the officer says that it's a taser. And if you have a chance, go ahead and look up the original police report that was filed or the original press release, I'm sorry, that was filed in response to the George Floyd incident. Read that and then compare that to the video that a lot of you watched, right? They are completely different. So the idea that by drawing attention to these obvious disparities in treatment. Think about what happened to the people that were literally trying to overthrow our government on January 6th. If you remember, there were police officers moving the barricades out of the way, holding their hands, guiding them out. So by drawing attention to these disparities that you're sowing division, it's just, it's, it's, it's beyond ridiculous to me. Like, let's call it what it is. Let's address the issues as they, as they exist. But don't, don't tell me that these issues aren't about race when race is the only issue that is consistent with all of these events, all of these hashtags, all of these people that have been killed recently. Yeah, I love it. When I, when I, I see this, I, I, I don't want this situation, when I say situation, uh, the verdict uh, in the George Floyd case to be similar to President Obama's election. When I say that, I say that with this in mind. Wow, you all got your black president. There's no more racism in the world. All is repaired. Oh, we saw that black uh, police brutality does exist. Someone was feel guilty. See, we do. We do hear you. And now we go back to reset. That's my biggest fear. When I tuned into the television yesterday to, to hear the verdict, I will be honest. I was ready for them to say not guilty. Why? Because it's always been that way. Earlier today, I had the opportunity to moderate a panel discussion uh, with the Professor Herbin, uh, Professor C. Victor Herbin Jr., uh, dealing with race racial equity. And in the beginning of this discussion, he he spoke about the tale of two Americas quoted by uh, a book written by John Freeman. It talks about the two Americas, the black America and white America. And on one slide, he had two words, agony and perceived reality. And in another word, excuse me, three words and distrust. There's a legitimate distrust of black folks with the legal system. So Quite naturally, while watching the verdict, I'm ready. Why would I think otherwise? Because it's the police and it's a black person. It's a black man. So when when the verdict does come back and he's found guilty on all three charges, yes, congratulations. It is a very uh, somber golf clap to say, great, they got one right. But let's not forget, there was a host of police brutality incidents over the last 12 months since Mr. George Floyd was killed. So what's going to happen now, America, as we say, yes, we'll celebrate this because at least uh, there has been quote unquote justice where this police officer should go off to prison and never see the light of day. But there is a whole lot more cases that need to see a, a, a court docket 
and someone being found guilty. And that's where we'll start seeing has change occurred. So again, don't make this an old President Obama situation where we got our black president, all is all is forgiven and forgotten because this is just starting. To protect and to serve. Let me say that again, to protect and to serve. So I have a question for the two of you, uh, specifically to you, uh, uh, Dr. Hoover. When did that trust stop? And how do we regain the trust of our police, our policing policies, or our police forces throughout the country, throughout each of these major cities of the United States? I grew up playing cops and robbers and everybody wanted to be the cop. We were the good guys, but in reality, they're not good guys. We are, uh, they're pulling people over and unjustified killings by, at the hands of the police. So what is the solution? How can we get past this? What do we need to do? How do we get the trust, one with the community and the police and the community and the police with the community? How do we get that back? And I, I pose that to both of you, but to you first, Dr. Hoover. Yeah, absolutely. Great questions. Um, I don't particularly trust the police. Now, my caveat will be that I know that there are great, you know, and good people that are police officers. So when I say that I don't trust the police, I'm not saying that I believe every single individual police officer is a bad person. What I'm saying is that as presently constructed, the system is trash. And until we acknowledge that, then we're not going to make any progress. So my fear kind of going with what Victor said is that by sacrificing Chauvin, we will avert our eyes from the fact that the actual system itself is broken. So um, you ask for solutions. One solution would be when there are mental health issues, when someone is calling the police for a mental health issue, then mental health professionals are sent to respond to that, um, to that instance. Another, another one is if you are a traffic cop, you don't need to bring weapons, right? Dante Wright was, was pulled over, I think because his air freshener was dangling from the rear view mirror. And because he had a warrant, because he had a fee that he couldn't afford to pay, that you know started the dominoes that ended up with him dead. If you are an officer that is responding to nonviolent calls, there's no reason for you to have a weapon. So there are measures that can and should be taken immediately to, to alleviate some of these issues. But I will say that even if we make none of these, um, even if we make all of these changes rather, as presently constructed, the police don't have a problem subduing suspects when they're white. Doesn't matter if they're armed. It doesn't matter if they're disrespectful. It doesn't matter if they're if they're cursing in their face. So it is possible to de-escalate a situation when police are involved. However, that likelihood is greatly reduced when it's a black person, and that's what's unfortunate, and that's what needs to be addressed. Victor, 
What are your thoughts? I agree. I think I like all your points, but I go back to your last point. I do not need to take the weapons out of cops' hands, but I need to understand escalation of force. I served three combat tours in Iraq. I'm very proud of those combat tours, but we had a, a we had laws of war. There is a legal way to fight a war. And one of the things we had to learn if we were on patrol, if we were in the guard towers, if we were at the, the, the guard shacks, escalation of force. And they gave us scenarios. If an enemy combatant comes to this point, what do we do? We warning shots. We speak out before we aim to kill. So I like your illustration at the end there where he said, well, wait a minute. They've been trained on escalation of force because we just seen a person in Colorado do some atrocities and walked out with his handcuffs, with his hands cuffed behind his back. But we can't say the same for the young motorist in Minnesota with an air freshener dangling and he gets shot and killed. So you're right. There are ways to subdue. I know there's uh, what they call rubber bullets. There's the tasers. There's a lot of non-lethal means to take care and subdue uh, a suspect or to de-escalate a, a situation. And so um, we can, the cliche training is just, that's just like saying uh, sexual harassment training, diversity training. Yes, the cops can go through all the training they need. But when they are in the heat of the battle, when they are face to face with this suspect, how are they going to look at this person and say, wow, he is a three-time combat vet. He may have a wife at home and children. He is a doctor of physical therapy. He may be a grandfather. When do we get that second chance and that thought before they raise the, the, the nine millimeter and shoot me? And so I, I like your piece and I agree with the escalation. And I definitely also agree with having the other community enablers, you know, social workers, mental health experts to accompany police officers, negotiators. You have trained negotiators that can deal with hostage situations. So not everything requires lethal means. And then the last piece, again, just to reiterate, escalation of force. What is your law of war? And, and, and communicate that to the citizens. And then the old school policing your neighborhood, having those town halls. Uh, everyone should know the police officers that's in your neighborhood and, and really making that, that interaction so we can de uh, decrease that trust issues because there's significant trust issues. The only thing I would add to that is restraint, de-escalate and restraint. We, it was proven at Capitol Hill. They didn't shoot the rioters coming in. Uh, a lot of them, uh, the police officers that we're talking about in multiple incidents where we're losing black lives or I didn't see where the officer was in imminent danger, yet their means of handling it was to shoot our uh, the culprit or the person that they're engaged in. So why? How about not shoot to kill? Even if there were a risk, how about maiming? You know, shoot the leg or whatever. So de-escalate and, uh, and uh, show a measure of restraint. We're so capable of knowing where these people live. How about just get them later? You don't even have to run them down. There doesn't even have to be a, 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 an escalation of the situation. Just get them later. 
You with Capitol Hill in the right there, you saw, you know, and can locate all of these people by using Facebook and face recognition. We have the means to de-escalate and not engage. Why don't we use these things? Why are our black men and our women dying at the hands of police officers when there doesn't have to be? So that's my take. My final burn, Vic, Jania, Dr. Hoover, Dr. Herbin, I love you guys. It's great to have you back. And I just want to say in my final burn to the fire department in San Antonio, to the EMS in San Antonio, I thank you for what you do. I got to to see it firsthand on many occasions, but most recently yesterday. You're, you are lifesavers and oftentimes not thanked for what you do. And so my final burn is just thank you for going in and doing what you do and saving lives. I'll see you all next week. Mine, um, and time always flies when we're having fun, but mine will be definitely accountability still isn't justice. And if you were protesting, if you were supporting these efforts over the past year, don't give that up. It is only for that reason that we got this piece of accountability that we got yesterday. But that being said, make sure that you're holding space for laughter, that you're holding space for fun, that you're holding space to relax. Because if you think only about all of the injustice, it is enough to make you crazy. And it's okay to have fun every once in a while. See you next week. We have to do better. Um, as we talked about earlier about that other sports reporter, we have to do better, not only within our Black community, but our community of, as human beings. We have to do better. I hope this the, the, the verdict is a sign of things to come. That's my hope. And within the Black community, we deal with a lot of hope. We deal with a lot of dreams. We deal with a lot of aspirations. At the same time, we do a lot of terror, tragedy, agony, and distrust. Let's switch the narrative. This is that time. The attention is here on America as the leader of the free world. Let's do what we got to do. I look forward to seeing everybody next week. Unky did a great job last week. The team is back. The, the team is assembled. Let's get busy. Let's be about this business. And I'll see you all next week. Love you all.